Hey guys, and welcome back to Box Mining. Now, with this video, we're talking about derivatives trading on a decentralized platform. And this is actually something that is one of the biggest application use cases of decentralization and of decentralized finance. Everyone wants to trade, everyone wants to have additional trading tools, and hence derivatives. So today we have Injective Protocol. We have the co-founder, Eric Chen, coming in today. And he's going to share a few provocative thoughts, like why are derivatives cooler than just normal trading? And a little bit of, a lot of detail, not a little bit, but a lot of detail about the platform Injective Protocol as well. So Eric, welcome. Welcome to the channel. Hey, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. I mean, normally, you know, everyone coming onto the channel, we ask them a little bit about how they got started. So kind of what led you to this point? What led you to the passion of getting into DeFi and derivatives trading? I would say that I always have a trading uh, uh, background by studying, uh, uh, studying finance. Um, but my foray into crypto really started in college when we kind of realized that electricity was free. And we set up this giant mining rig and uh, trying to mine Ethereum. Uh, at one point, we kind of like, I think we tripped the breaker for the entire uh, dorm room floor. And I'm pretty sure uh, that was the inspiration for the sh uh, show Billions. Um, and yeah, I think that was the first time I got really serious about looking into crypto. Nice. It's like such a similar background as well. I pretty much had the exact same story with mining in my own dorm and tripping. Not the entire building. I'm not that, you know, that aggressive, <laughs> but uh, we got my side of the dorm. So anyway, starting with this derivatives trading side of things, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you started off when we talked and you said, you know, derivatives are cooler than normal trading. I mean, uh, why led you to that assessment? I mean, you know, it's, it's one of the tools I would agree, but why is it cooler? Uh, I think in general, especially from a traditional markets perspective, it's such a versatile uh, tool. So you can use it to hedge against price movements. And as a matter of fact, that's actually the number one use case uh, rather than going 100x leverage on BitMEX. Um, and then um, there are a lot, a lot of other uh, parts. Obviously there are leverage exposure. There's also you know, uh, accessing to some of the hard, uh, hard to trade assets. That's why there are commodity futures. Uh, that's why there are uh, tr uh, treasury bond futures and stuff like that. Um, and I would say that from like a, uh, engineering perspective, it's actually kind of like a financial take uh, on the share mutable state problem. Because essentially for a spot market, it's being frequently traded so much, um, especially if you look at kind of uh, the quantity available or uh, being liquid. So if there's a huge demand, but there's not enough supply, and yet the, uh, the, under, uh, the underlying or like the equity is being priced properly, you're really having this uh, rush of liquidity where uh, there's no way, uh, uh, there's nowhere to um, kind of uh, access the separate asset. So essentially what's gonna, uh, what's gonna happen is that that's why people will start pointing out derivatives. It's kind of like an expansion of uh, the ex uh, existing st uh, spot market. Mm. I think that's kind of interesting because I mean, definitely derivatives trading gets a bad rep from over leveraged position. So yes, yeah, so 100x is, it's popular, right? And uh, I've yeah. seen, you know, a lot of YouTubers talk about it, you know, encouraging people to use it and then people get liquidated and then people get angry, right? So that's one side of the coin. But the other side you're talking about is obviously, it's a very powerful tool for one, uh, for people who want to take a particular short position if they think of a value is going down so they have the ability to take short and then of course talking about how the, how the spot and the derivatives dynamics plays out so uh, talking about that right so we've had some derivatives markets before i mean you mentioned bitmex and now we have ftx and then we have like deribit and all that stuff why go decentralized 
Yeah, that's actually a really great, uh, great question. So there are actually a few reasons to be fully decentralized when you're trying to launch like a derivatives exchange. And obviously there are uh, very clear benefits to being centralized as well. So let me go by, uh, let me start off by talking about the cons of building a decentralized exchange and why I'm so excited about, you know, building out the fully decentralized stack for this type of uh, 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 platform. So first of all, decentralized derivatives are very slow. Um, obviously settlement has to be constrained by the lockdown of, uh, of Ethereum. So that's why for uh, BitMEX or like for Binance Futures, for FTX, um, they serve as a really uh, strong central point of liquidity uh, for the most frequently traded assets. They can support, you know, the highest possible throughput. They can uh, take over the most popular market out there. But one thing that they can't do too properly uh, is to uh, explore, uh, you know, innovate, and really just to find out the, uh, the, the next big thing in the, uh, in the space of the market. So there are two reasons why they won't do that. Number one is that there's just no incentive. Uh, they are uh, one of the bigger folks. Um, you know, the cost of deploying a new market, the cost of uh, seeing like a market uh, failing or uh, losing traction, it's just way too much uh, to work their time basically. And really the second part is about regulation. You know, um, what if uh, this is violating a lot of uh, CFTC rules? What if, you know, this is uh, uh, kind of uh, going against some of the laws and regulations and some of the local uh, jurisdictions. Mm. So that's why it's so exciting to be in just in general, the DeFi space and the decentralized derivative space is that first of all, DeFi is a lot low, uh, has a lot lower leverage, surprisingly, than the um, uh, traditional centralized derivatives. You see like on DYDX and max leverage is only 20X. I'm sure uh, most of the uh, derivatives in the space right now wouldn't try to go over that number. And, and also for just in general for like lending and also going uh, leverage on DYDX margin, they won't let you go past 5X. So they're basically building up this uh, decentralized stack in a relatively safer manner, uh, especially considering that because it's just being traded so uh, slowly because there are so many risk factors, they have to kind of keep themselves restrained. And this actually create a lot more possibilities that like, hey, like, um, uh, if I want to create a new market, uh, people are already used with uh, already used to markets with somewhat low leverage. Uh, people are already used to uh, markets mm -hmm. with somewhat lower liquidity in the beginning, and people are willing to take a risk to understand those markets more and to, you know, extract as much value from it, uh, or you know, just in general, people call it making money from it uh, uh, in the future. I think a really good kind of trend that we saw in, uh, before or even currently is just farming. You know. Um, people stake into uh, stake in and participating in pools and then get token in return uh, as part of their reward and also uh, that will factor into their APY. Uh, and I think you know if without without all these uh, token incentives, people might not necessarily have uh, participated in a lot of these, a lot of these DeFi protocols. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't really participate that much within lending pools back then um, because the rate was just not as good as. Uh, some of the centralized ones. Now my biggest question is, can people establish their own pairs or is that still very centralized in some manner on injective? Yeah, so our goal uh, from start to the end is always creating the platform for it, essentially building the fundamental infrastructure so that you can do whatever you want on top of us. If let's say I'm a financial engineer and I just came up with this great idea, uh, I want to attract a yield and sometimes even go leverage on these uh, 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 lending pools um, I could just basically create an index for it, 
either referencing from some of the decentralized Oracle solutions or uh, setting up like a centralized Oracle solution, um, and then implement the Oracle uh, interface contract on a futures protocol. If I'm an ETH holder and I hold some USDT or, yeah, generally USDT is probably the most liquid uh, stablecoin or USDC in some cases, um, I immediately start de uh, depositing this uh, token into uh, our Pegzone contract. So essentially that, that's the contract that stores and holds uh, all the tokens that are being deposited into our own chain. Uh, the watchers that are monitoring that specific contract for all the deposit coming in and out. Once they saw the asset uh, coming in and uh, landing in a, a, a contract and lo uh, locked up, uh, they'll, they'll just start you know, um, minting uh, uh, the mirror token basically on top mm -hmm. of our own chain. And basically then you can use this uh, you know, USDT on, on, on top of our injective chain to trade um, and establish a leverage position, either going long or going short. Okay, so it's, it's kind of like a, so it's a bridging process. I mean, a normal user wouldn't really feel it that much. So they'll they have the assets. So you're saying you're preferring mm -hmm. a start of stable coins or USDT, you deposit it into a contract. So you know, click button, deposit, and then it'll appear on the other side on the injective chain side. So once you're on inj yeah. injective chain, you're using it almost like a normal derivatives exchange. You basically have an order book and then you can pow, pow, pow and click buttons and start placing orders, right? Uh, exactly, but it's actually simpler than you thought. Uh, essentially, how, how it looks like is that we could have like a website that shows that, hey, deposit into this contract. And then as soon as you deposit into that contract, I would say after like generally how long a Ethereum transaction would take, uh, it will just start popping up on uh, our own chain. And you mm -hmm. use the same wallet, you just connect to a different RBC endpoint and use the same signature. So it's still your money at the end of the day. Oh, okay, got it, got it. So, yeah. so it's actually quite... It's actually, it doesn't require multiple plugins or anything. So it's like, it's kind of a, almost a more seamless experience for that, right? Yep, that's a goal. And so basically from that point on, um, you, you, you deposit the uh, token into the Deruda contract. You open like a, you can use from like the account number one or you can open like a sub account. Mm. Um, and then you just uh, establish a long position. Got it. So. Obviously, we've used these exchanges before, and they're relying on centralized order matching and transactions. And we've seen that on the flip side, on the decentralized exchange side, unfortunately, the fees, the gas fees get quite high. So how did you design yeah. around that to, to kind of mitigate these problems? Yeah, so we actually don't have gas fees. Um, obviously, aside from the deposit and withdrawal part. Um, so the way we designed this is actually, we actually made some changes to the uh, kind of like the core consensus and basically some of the components uh, within the Cosmos SDK is that we took out part of the gas elements. So whenever you place a trade, when you, whenever you take a uh, trade off of the order book or whenever you set, uh, settle a trade, the gas is actually being front by uh, the nodes or the uh, quote unquote relayers within our protocol, which is just nodes really. Um, and they have a really strong incentive to do that because you're essentially entering into like a fee sharing agreement with them. So, uh, so basically, whenever I inter interact with a node, I'm a trader, I have to obviously have to submit an order somewhere. Um, I can submit it to you know, some of the more uh, exposed nodes out there and I can just, uh, within my order uh, parameters, I just sign over his address. So 40% of the fee would go to his address. But the caveat is that if I don't sign over anyone, I still pay the full fee. So it's honestly just kind of like a altruistic move to like, you know, share, uh, share more of the value to the, the, uh, the greater ecosystem and creating this kind of like incentive mechanism. So there's a huge incentive for the uh, nodes to uh, kind of front the gas for you in a sense. 
And obviously by being proof of stake, uh, by having like a really application specific infrastructure uh, for trading, um, the general gas fee is just going to be an order of magnitude higher than through. Cool. So, so you, you create this ecosystem, all right? So let's say um, once this is running, obviously you got a full derivatives exchange and we know that this market is very hot. There's a huge amount of volume there. So where does the token come in? So how does that accrue value for the ecosystem, et cetera? Yeah. So w- one of the biggest part is obviously a proof of stake security. So you have to roll over a validator and you have to keep, make sure that the incentive aligns well for a validator because they're performing so many tasks and they're kind of securing the entire network. Mm-hmm. So we have like a fixed inflation that decreases over time, but it never goes to zero for a validator. Mm-hmm. Um, and this way it'll keep the incentive very well aligned. Um, the second part is the mainly the deflationary part. So we, we want to make sure that um, the validator get even more val- uh, uh, value from you know participating in the network and just in general, like all the uh, ecosystem participants slash token holders um, by essentially hosting a monthly auction um, and opening up uh, bits for all of our exchange fee that we've aggregated uh, mm. on chain. And we'll just pick like the highest INJ bid and then just burn it. Uh, uh, and just, just burn the INJ that we get. Um, obviously this is completely done on chain. This is completely permissionless and uh, decentralized. Got it, got it. So, so it's all to do with fees. I mean, uh, like we, we've seen mm-hmm. how much fees are generated. So generating value and then burning the fees on the process. So you have this network set up. Um, now, in terms of trading, all right? So uh, as an end user, let's say I wanna place, um, like I was to say, I was play, placing a trade, but we see some various mechanisms in the centralized exchange, which kind of, kind of, uh, a make sure that I'm not over leveraged, and then also at the same time making sure that the price um, is relatively close to the spot price. So I guess this is two questions. So let's start with the first yeah. one, which is like, um, how do I do leverage on the exchange? Is there leverage options for derivative, the derivative contracts? Yeah, of course. Um, so basically, mm-hmm. there's essentially a collateral ratio that you have to uh, maintain. Um, so yeah. there's obviously the initial margin, and there's obviously the maintenance margin. The right. initial margin is basically the maximum amount of uh, leverage that you can go theoretically, and the maintenance margin is um, basically if you go below that, you're just liquidated. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, uh, in order to make sure that the uh, contract uh, tr- uh, trading price and also the index price uh, uh, stays m- mainly in parity, there are two ways, right? Number one, for uh, we just use the same funding rate uh, for most of the major perp markets. Uh, generally, we actually have a really interesting mechanism where um, since our order book data is on-chain, we actually don't need an oracle for it. So a lot of people actually uh, get a huge headache around, you know, how do we calculate the funding rate? How do we make sure that, you know, like um, we get the most fair, we, do, we get the, a, a more decentralized solution to uh, uh, and avoid using two oracles like uh, DYDX's case. Uh, whereas for our case, it's really natural because the order book data is on-chain, so we don't have, really have to worry about it. Um, yeah, so, so, so that's just uh, the general, uh, general ways I think that most derivative markets and the most uh, part markets use to make sure that the uh, futures price trade at around the same as the underlying. Got it. Because I think that that's the key here, where you know the futures and the derivatives they don't hold the underlying assets, so it's all it's a trading market. So we've yeah. seen that on FTX, where like every they charge an hourly funding rate. So is it going to be similar for you guys? Yeah. We we're, uh, we're actually testing both uh, for our testnet that's coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to learn. Uh, basically, we could do all the unit tests and simulation possible, but I'm really excited to see like kind of 
when there's a stochastic behavior coming from the general participants, how is the market going to behave? Because no real money is at stake. And that, that's exactly what we're looking for. If you have real money at the stake, you can't really monitor all the black swan events uh, because obviously things don't happen that often. But if, uh, if no real money is at stake, we can actually look at the behavior uh, for some of the extreme cases and just see, you know, like what are some of the safer assumptions we can make and what are some of the edge cases that we used to, uh, we, we used to have to be accounted for, but now uh, we don't have to worry about it too much. So right now you're at the test phase, right? So you're testing for all these edge cases and trying to do the tests. So what's the roadmap like for, you know, the product launch and everything? Within a few days, actually, you guys can start trying out for a trading competition. So essentially that's the interface where most of the traders are gonna uh, interact with. Um, you can trade most of the markets out there. We'll try to make sure that the markets we ended up deploying is uh, timely and also relevant so that you guys are actually uh, interested. Um, and then uh, it will run for, I would say around a, a month at most. Afterwards, we'll start doing the incentivized staking. So the incentivized mm-hmm. staking is that it allows you to create like a simulated return uh, uh, by participating with, uh, uh, the con- within the consensus of the test. Um, the point of that is so that we can actually get the proper slashing condition uh, and monitoring like, hey, you know, um, all, all of our uh, stakers ended up being AWS. Should we worry about that? <laughs> um, so, so, so that kind of gave us a really clear picture about like how we should go about mainnet. Mm-hmm. And obviously in parallel with, uh, with the testnet, we're also going to do most of the auditing and yeah, after that, uh, it's mainnet time. Got it. Got it. Nice. So you have this process set up, obviously to get, um, participating, um, when I say congratulations on Binance as well. So, uh, you guys are on Binance Launchpad coming up. Uh, how else can people participate? So what's, what's kind of the tokenomics of that right now? Yeah, there are actually so many ways, uh, even before we launch our mainnet. So before we launch our mainnet, there's going to be training competition, which, uh, the reward are all going to be done in our native token. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, we actually thought about launching a training competition before the launch pad, I would say uh, around uh, mid-August or so, but we actually mm-hmm. had to delay it because we realized that in the age of farming, people don't really care about cash. That's <laughs> um, true. Yeah, yeah so, so we actually had to uh, kind of like hold, this, uh, hold the curtain back a little bit and launch a training competition uh, essentially with the token so that people actually care more about it. Basically, after that, there's going to be the incentivized staking. And the incentivized mm-hmm. staking is that we're going to take a snapshot of everyone's balance. And mm-hmm. this, from this point on, that's your assumed balance. And you can use that balance to you know, uh, delegate the staking pools, um, kind of be a validator yourself, or just in general, um, don't do anything with it. But by participating in the staking pool, by, by being, becoming a validator and joining the right validator, actually, um, you can actually make simulated return that's pretty much similar, if not higher, than natural main return. Um, and this is really valuable to us because this way we can know, uh, you know, how do we set a, go about setting up a slashing condition that's never been really tested before um, because rarely we see validators who are also assuming the responsibility as like a peg zone uh, operator. Mm. So yeah, um, that's, that's what I'm really excited about personally. Um, and then after the mainnet, there are so many things to be, uh, 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 there are so many ways for you to uh, uh, kind of get our token from, essentially. Um, number one is that we're gonna have liquidity mining. We actually have a daily distribution of tokens. And in order for you to be eligible for, uh, for, for that pool of token, essentially we calculate the, how much uh, of that pool you get by the filled bank orders. 
So if, you've, uh, if you place a make order and it got filled, you essentially earn like a ticket. And obviously this depends on the market. This depends on, you know, what are the eligible markets in general? Um, you know, what are stable coin? Mm-hmm. But we have a pretty fair mechanism to just capture that uh, because we can just go by stable coins. And basically the more you, uh, uh, the more filled make order you contribute to the, uh, to the market, the more of the token that you get. So mm-hmm. this is essentially like a competition for liquidity because um, most of the people want to provide, you know, the best possible spread in order to capture the filled make order. Um, so this is what I'm really excited about as well. And that as well as that, if people want to find out more about the project in terms of information, what's the best place to look? Yeah. Um, so basically our Telegram group, uh, our CMs are super active. Um, it's called uh, at Join Injective. I think that's mm-hmm. a really good place to start. Uh, basically, if you don't know where to start, usually that's a really good place to talk to CMs and uh, get most of the information kind of delivered to you. Um, mm-hmm. And then generally our website has a lot of information just covering the basics. And if you really want to uh, dive really deep down the weeds, there's actually docs.injectiveprotocol.com uh, where it's essentially our developer documentation. Uh, it's almost like a knowledge base for uh, most of the uh, public material that we have. We'll leave the links down below. So Telegram, first of all, and then website, mm-hmm. and then docs if you're really hardcore. So I think that's yeah. pretty much wrapping up our interview, Eric. So thank you, Eric, so much for coming in today. I hope the platform goes well. Um, there's definitely a lot of action in the derivatives front. And being on your own blockchain with no trading fees, I think that's that's kind of the appeal here, right? You, you want to trade yeah. on a DDEX, but you don't want to pay fees. And uh, I really think that this could take the next leap forward. So I'm really excited to see more and I hope to bring you on um, in the future to tell us a little bit more about how everything's going and of course to show us the platform as well. Yeah, very excited to. And honestly, really can't wait to um, uh, uh, unveil the trading competition. Awesome. Thanks, man.